Life support is nominal. The oxygen danger indicator level is yellow. Please remember that this is a non-smoking pirate ship. Welcome to GameIndustry.com's The Gin Lounge. I'm John Breeden, your Chief Lounge Lizard, and the host for this episode of the show. Today we're going to be talking about Hoop Dreams, because NBA 2K11 is out. It's out right now. You can get your hands on it. Todd Hargosh is reviewing it for us, and he'll be telling us all about how great the game is, or not so great, although it looks pretty amazing from what I've seen so far. And that full review will be at GameIndustry.com and also on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash GameIndustry. So check it out. Last week, Jin was lucky enough to sit in on a developer call where we talked with the developers all about the game and all the cool things you can find there. And the call was so interesting that we decided to play it in its entirety for you now. So... Everything you wanted to know about NBA 2K11, a game you can pick up right now, is next. Um, the first voice that you'll hear is Chase. He's from Access Communications. He is the PR person, and he will introduce the developers. All right, take care, everyone. I'll see you next time, and let's sit back and learn all about NBA 2K11. NBA 2K11 developer call, and we have Eric Benish, he's the producer, and Rob Jones, the gameplay director, who are going to be fielding the questions you submitted today. And we're going to kick things off with Eric uh, providing a quick overview of the game, and then we'll jump into the questions. Hi, everyone. How you guys doing? Uh, I just wanted to start off by uh, saying thank you to everyone for taking the time to listen to us, you know, talk about all the great things uh, we've done with the game this year. So thank you, guys. So uh, welcome to uh, NBA 2K11. Uh, you know, the greatest basketball game of all time. Uh, who better to pair this game with than the greatest player of all time, Michael Jordan? Uh, Michael's usage in the game isn't simply limited to the box cover, you know, and the title screen of the game. We've developed, we've developed an entire feature set surrounding Michael Jordan that celebrates, you know, his legacy and his career and all the things he's accomplished, you know, with his career. Um, you know, there's been a lot of press surrounding Michael and his inclusion in the game, and uh, I feel it's important for us to stress just how much work we've actually done in all of the other parts of the game. You know, we're not limited to just Michael, even though that's what we're pushing the most. You know, we've done an incredible amount of work to gameplay, uh, to my player mode, to association. Even the menu systems received a complete overhaul. Um, our entire focus with 2K11 was about gameplay, control, polish, delivering the full product to our consumer, everything they want. Uh, so with that, uh, I think we're ready to answer some questions. Okay, this first question I'm going to throw to Rob. Rob, what is the biggest improvement over the last game? Uh, you know, it, it's kind of hard to really uh, <clears throat> pinpoint one place where we would say it was the biggest, biggest improvement. Uh, I, th I think from my standpoint, uh, being a gameplay guy, the biggest thing was the complete polish in terms of how well the game animates this year in relation to the way it did last year. Uh, I think that, you know, as many animations as NBA 2K is known for, the fact that, you know, it's so smooth and seamless is, is really a testament to how well we've, uh, you know, we've been able to perfect what we've done in the past. So, Derek, uh, what makes NBA 2K11 stand apart from its competition? I don't even know where to start with that one. Um, I think we have the most full-featured, uh, fun-to-play basketball game on the market. I mean, 
we have the best looking graphics, we have the best gameplay, we have signature animations, we have signature shots for every player in the game, we have a full featured franchise mode, we have a full featured my player mode. Um, I mean, anything you could possibly want is in our game. I can't imagine why you would choose anything else. So one thing we got for this call was a lot of Michael Jordan questions. Uh, imagine that. So Eric, can you offer any specifics on how the Jordan Challenge mode will play? For instance, will there just be specific challenges or full games with objectives? So all ten Jordan Challenges are full games. There's no, you know, scenarios where you jump in and hit the last second shot. You're recreating the entire game for all of these Jordan Challenges. Uh, and each one is an eight-minute quarter game. Sorry about the noise there. We'll get that fixed. Uh, each one is an eight-minute quarter game, and, you know, you're playing as the Chicago Bulls. You're not player locked to Michael Jordan. You're playing as, you know, everyone on the team. But each each challenge has a number of, of goals tied to it. You know, for Michael Jordan, it might be to recreate how many points he scored in that game or to, you know, win the game or shoot over a certain percentage. So you have a lot of challenges other than just, you know, having a good time and playing as Michael Jordan. So does Jordan have iconic moves that are unique to his character? This one's for you, Rob. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I, I think this is almost a, a redundant question if you really think about it, given that over the past, what, four years, you know, we've we've kind of established ourselves as being the guys who have, you know, the most authentic um, signature packages for every player in the league to bring back the best player of all time and not really go all out in both in his moves, his shots, um, and even his own signature celebrations, and in some situations, ambient animations that only he would possibly have, like in the flu game, you know, it, it's it's something that um, you guys should have expected that, and we delivered as usual. So here, here's the one going back to, to Eric. From the outside, it seems like bringing back MJ had to be the most stressful player creation ever, with fans obsessing over the length of the shorts and the tongue. How difficult was it to recreate the most recognizable player ever? Uh, you know, I, I made a mistake, Chase. I, I was actually fielding that question instead of Eric. Um, okay. You know, it's it's tough. You know, obviously, you, you know, uh, graphically, people remember a specific way. We have a ton, a ton, believe it or not, of, of Chicago Bulls fans here, uh, starting with the, our lead artist. So he actually took it upon himself to recreate that guy, um, you know, verbatim, everything about him. So, you know, the, the tongue thing was even the first time I saw it, I'm like, did we actually really do the tongue as well? You know, because obviously we hadn't done that before in, 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 in such a way. But, you know, his, his moves, watching a lot of film for that, watching a lot of, um, you know, all of his tendencies and trying to figure out everything. I mean, Michael had to be perfect. So, you know, we really spent a lot of time researching him, not just visually, but also just, you know, the way he played in order to get him right. So, thinking about the way he plays, how will he be implemented into the franchise mode? And is this one for Eric? Yeah. So, I'm, I'm very proud to announce that, you know, we have the ability to import the classic teams, including Michael Jordan, into the franchise mode. Uh, it's uh, into the association, I should say. Uh, it's very simple. You can just pick, you know, any classic bowl team or any jazz team or Knicks or whatever you want, and you can just slide them, you know, right into the league alongside all the current teams. So we knew our fans really wanted that, so we just went out there and supported it. So, Eric, then, in the MJ creating a legend mode, do you begin play in the NBA of 1984 or against current teams and rosters? The concept behind MJ creating a legend is that you're taking a rookie Michael Jordan who's rated 79. You know, he's got the young physique to him. He has the hair. He's a little scrawnier. Uh, and you're taking him into today's NBA. So you're picking any team you want to place him on, you know, be it the Lakers, the Heat, the Bucks, whatever, 
and you're going to be playing against today's talent to see how Michael Jordan stacks up against today's players. So then why is, it the, why is the option to draft Michael Jordan only available after completing the Jordan, Jordan Challenge? So the Jordan Challenge is a very special mode. We think that telling the legacy of Michael that we did a really good job, you know, for today's the newest generation who might have only seen clips of Michael or, you know, just hear about him or read about him, this is a chance for them to kind of relive his legacy, and we felt it was important for them to focus on that first. So MJ Creating a Legend actually unlocks once you've completed all ten Jordan challenges. And we wanted people to really understand and play through that and experience, you know, what we put together for them. And then once you get that done, then you can move on to the fantasy aspect of bringing Michael into today's NBA. So are the Michael Jordan moments games playable in multiplayer? As Derek, I'll take this one. Um, so, no, they're single-player experiences, but you can actually take all of the classic teams in a quick game so you can play, you know, three, four, five, six, seven players, depending on your console. Uh, so the Jordan, Jordan Challenge game, single player, but like I said, you can play any classic team you want multiplayer. Cool. So uh, we've got so much. We can make a full call on about Jordan questions, but let's move to some other areas and we can revisit some more of Jordan. So in terms of graphics, this is a good question for you, Eric. How have the developers improved the graphics and visual style of the game specifically? So we've gotten to the point where our graphics – or, I mean, you can look at some of the player faces and, you know, you go into replay and you zoom up close on them and you're like, wow, that's, that's just so lifelike, that looks just like it. Uh, and, you know, we're constantly trying to strive for that realistic look. So, you know, kind of what we did this year to make it look a little more, or a little less cartoony and a little more authentic, like you're in the arena, was we kind of changed the lighting of all the players. We redid, you know, the lighting on the, the player's skin, on the court, the reflection. It, it's a lot of fine-tuning and tweaking trying to make things look you know, it's kind of that uncanny valley you can get in the ballpark of, of making a player and a coach and a referee, but getting them to that point where you look at it and you're like, okay, everything about this guy from his physique to his facial structure is authentic. That's what we spent a lot of time on this year. You know, I mean, 2K10 was solid uh, in regards to, you know, I guess the structure of them, but they just looked a little – everything looked a little off. The coaches looked like aliens. I mean, it was, this year was all about visual acuity, making everything look completely accurate and grounded to the environment. And I think just – you know, get the game, go into replay and fly around, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, so then on the accuracy front there, here's a question for you, Rob. How many new animations made it in this year? You know, uh, <laughs> well, you know, I can't tell you the exact number, to be honest with you. I think, you know, if, if I were to just to kind of guess, I would say somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,500 to 3,500. Um and, and and that would be, like I said, it would just be realistically guessing. Uh, the thing about it is that you guys have to understand that at the end of every year, for one thing, you know, we really try to recapture things or capture new stuff as it pertains to what our new systems need um, or wherever we think that refreshing is, is there. Now, 3,500 animations in a game, you know, in one year is a ton of animations, you know, both in shots, both in signature stuff, uh, especially having to redo all the the, uh, the classic people. Uh, we redid movement. We redid movement on offense and on defense at different sizes. So every year that number seems it's really, really big, but that's because we just don't accept, you know, the status quo of where we were the year before, and, we you know, we always strive to improve. So wherever we can do that, you know, we'll go out and capture whatever it takes in order to make it right. 
Cool. So, Rob, here's another question for you. This one, somebody's getting a little critical here. He says, how much has been done to address the situation of the player feeling like he's stuck in set-in-stone animation chains when he makes contact with the defender and vice versa for the defender as well? That's, you know, that was always one of the big things for us. Um, you know, like last year, one of the big things we talked about was the fact that, you know, you kind of felt that you'd get stuck into two-player animations for an extremely long period of time and wouldn't be able to kind of break out of them. And that was one of the first things that we talked about this year is, hey, you know what, we don't need two-player animation except in specific situations. So, you know, an example for that would be, you know, I come to court and I point my stick and I run directly into a guy that's standing in front of me. Well, you need a reaction there. Uh, and we, we want to make it short, but we also want to teach you not to do it. Uh, does that mean that you're out of control for a couple of frames, but not nearly, you know, a, a, an animation length that, like, we used to have in, you know, 9 and 10? Um, <clears throat> additionally, you know, one of our two-player systems this year actually has breakout points at any point. You know, it's it's breakout on command. I, like I said, I don't know if you guys are familiar with other games that, that you know, kind of have contact but there's still input within that contact so that you can make a change in decision and come out of that. So here's a um, uh, another question for you. This is a good one for Eric. Uh, one problem affects the NBA 2K series, an unstable frame rate when using the 2K cam. What steps have been made to remedy this issue? Uh, I would start off by saying that I think NBA 2K10, you know, for as many years as we've been making you know, these basketball games, 2K10 was a big learning experience for us on a lot of fronts. Um, I think frame rate on a lot of the alternate cameras was questionable at best last year. And, uh, you know, it's hard for us to say what, what camera do people play in. You know, we we kind of took the assumption that most people just play on the default camera, the presentation angle. And I think we quickly learned, you know, last year through feedback from our fans that, you know, they, they use the ISO cam, they use the high cam, and a lot of them use the 2K cam. Uh, so it was an extreme priority for us this year to have basically every camera, camera angle running a full 60 frames per second. And that was something we pegged right at the top, and that's something we worked on all year to make sure that no matter which camera you choose to play, the game runs, you know, rock solid and smooth. So it was a, a case of, you know, coming through and delivering what, what we want to deliver. Okay, I'm going to put the camera over back on Rob. Rob, with last year's game, from time to time it was possible to see it, it uh, some awkward animations and replays that involve clipping through the hoop, backboard, or even the ball passing through players. Has this tail detail been addressed or reduced? Well, addressed and reduced, yes. Uh, you know, obviously there's an infinite number of permutations in the way animations can play off for which we probably haven't seen every situation in which that could have possibly happened over the development period. So, you know, if it happens... Um, you know, obviously it's not intentional on our part. However, you know, that said, any time anything like that crops up, their development gets fixed right away. And, you know, there's there's no system that really, um, really allow you to make, you know, to, to, to have those awkward moves, you know, awkward moments in the game. It's just, you know, like I said, it's one of those things where you can't really catch everything when you have the number of stuff, that, you know, the, the amount of data in the game that we do. So, Eric, how often will you be participating in press conferences? Will it only be to discuss things like contract situations, or will there be post-game pressers after every game or every important game? All right, a my player question. 
I've been waiting for these. Uh, so the press conference feature, uh, I'll go on record, I think it's my favorite feature in the game this year. Uh, I think it's very cool, a little innovative thing that we did here. So press conferences happen after most play games within my player. Uh, we, actually, we actually have a very uh, detailed and complex uh, branching tree that uh, looks throughout your games and sees what's happening in the game to determine if a press conference should take place and what questions you know should be asked. Uh, an example of a press conference event that can happen is you know, you're playing a game, and it comes down to the very last shot, and it's between you and Kobe. So Phil Jackson calls for the ball to go to Kobe's hands while you're on the court, so you just stand there and watch Kobe do his thing. Uh, you know, in the press conference room after the game, those guys are going to ask you, hey, you know what, how did you feel about Kobe taking the shot? And you can kind of take that professional response of, you know, hey, Kobe's the man on this team. You know, I support him. He, he should be taking that shot. Or you can kind of take the approach of, you know, the arrogant guy, well, you know, I should be taking that shot. You know, Kobe's not the man I am. And that's the cool thing about the press conference feature is you can build this persona. You can be the person you want to be in the NBA. So probably more than this question was asking. But uh, to answer the question, you will do press conferences almost every game. Well, I don't hear anybody asking you to stop. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so actually, actually, about the next eight questions or so, I'm going to throw all your way, Eric, because they seem to be along your lines. What are the major changes to the My Player mode? Will we make it to the NBA with our player? So there's a couple uh, – Brief points we can talk about in my player. Uh, the first is the structure of the mode. Uh, as many of you guys know, we had the NBA draft combine in the game last year. Uh, I'm pleased to say that's all been integrated into the mode this year. So when you create your player right off the bat, you're going to be, you know, starting in the draft combine where you're going to be, you know, showcasing your talents in front of the scouts and GMs of the NBA. And depending on how you perform in that, you're actually going to go into the draft with David Stern at the podium. You know, he'll be calling out names, and that's where you hope you get drafted. Uh, you know, once the draft is over, you move right on into the summer league, which is a, you know, a quick little five-game schedule. It gives you a chance to show the team if you're, you know, if they made a good pick, if you're worth keeping around, or if you just kind of get shipped off to the NBA D League, which we have in the game once again this year. And as you work through the game, you'll eventually make the NBA if you do well enough. Um, so that's kind of the career path for my player. I would say the cool feature in my player this year is called my career, and uh, my career is uh, it encompasses everything that happens in your career. You know, we're going to keep track of your, your history and your stats and your minute allocation, where minutes are coming and going from. The whole press conference feature falls under my career. Um, if you had to define my career in just a few words, I would say it's, it's the lifestyle, you know, side of the mode. Uh, last year we had, you know, last year was just like play a game, followed by a game, followed by another game. You know, this year the whole lifestyle is like what happens between games. I can, I can you know, trash the fans or I can, I can – I have my teammates on the back, and I can, I can develop this persona, this character, and that kind of defines your, you know, your career. And depending on how you build your character, you're going to be throwing endorsements your way. You know, you might get, you know, the cover of, uh, I don't know, Sports Illustrated, or you might be on billboards, or there's different endorsements and achievements you can get based on how you play the mode. So if I had to compare it to last year, it's incredibly dynamic this year, and I think people are really, really, really going to enjoy uh, the changes and improvements we've made to it. So one of the issues with the last year's My Player Mode was that the feedback grading was too rigid and didn't recognize game flow. Docking your grade for basket scoring transition or even if you had switched defensively and your original man scored. What has it done to ensure more realistic feedback is given to the player this season? So the teammate grade module, you know, it was a year one feature last year. I think we came a long way with it in our first year. But, like, you know, anything that's new, there's, you know, problems that expose themselves over time. Uh, and with the whole year under our belt, we were able to, you know, hit the ground running, you know, once the game shifts, and we immediately started getting feedback from our fans. So we pretty much spent most of the year, 
dramatically improving the teammate grade logic. You're not going to have the issue of, you know, where you, you switch man on defense and, you know, your, your teammate lets your previous man score. That's not going to dock you anymore. You know, everything is a lot more natural now. It's, it's as you would expect. So what changes can players expect to see with NBA Today for this year's iteration? Uh, NBA Today has gone under a big improvement again this year. You know, we got – I mean, that was probably one of our most well-received features last year. Everyone loved NBA Today games. Uh, you'll notice this year, right when you boot the game up, the NBA Today has been integrated into the quick game menu. You don't have to go jumping between menus to play different types of games. Everything's a lot more nice. Um, as far as content within the NBA Today feature, uh, we recorded just, you know, a gaggle of new commentary. Everyone just loved how, you know, they would just – or about player histories and just kind of making the game flow more naturally rather than just calling out, you know, past the Jordan, passed away. It was like, that just gets kind of old. People just wanted to feel more broadcasty. Um, and one way we accomplished that is we actually added a, a full halftime show in the game this year. Uh, and it's, it's hosted by Damon Bruce. He's a, a radio personality in the Bay Area. Uh, he's actually going to tell you about, you know, the progression of the game, like why the score is what it is, who's leading scorers for each team. And if you're actually online connected and playing an NBA Today game, he's going to talk about, you know, scores from around the league. And by that, I mean actual scores that are happening, you know, in real life while you're playing the game. So it's it's not only a great way to just kind of see the new presentation we have, but to also stay caught up with the NBA. And that's that's what the whole NBA Today feature is centered around, which is, you know, being caught up with everything that's happening in the league and presenting that information to you, you know, seamlessly within the game that you're playing. So have any updates to franchise mode been put into place? Yeah, how much time do we have? <laughs> Not that much. Okay. version. Okay. So, uh, franchise mode has, or the association mode had a ton of improvements this year. Uh, I would say the highlights are we've completely revamped all of the AI systems in the game, and that includes, you know, the trading logic and the team building logic. Uh, you know, last year teams kind of just built their teams based on who was available to them. You know, this year they actually have the brains to say, okay, I'm a, I'm a run-and-gun team, I'm the Warriors, I need to go out and fill my team with appropriate players. You know, whereas last year they would just be like, oh, I'll take that guy. I have no reason, I'll just take him. Um, and the main result is, the end result of this is a much smarter playing franchise. Like, you're not going to notice a team like the, the Hornets trading for a great point guard because, you know, they already have Chris Paul and they have one of the best backups in the league in Darren Collison. But last year they would do that just because. This year they have the awareness that, you know, hey, I don't need this. I need I need a wing player or I need a, a replacement, you know, a replacement big man. And just as you play through the years and years of franchise, you're going to notice that the teams are constructed to resemble real teams. You're not going to have a team with seven point guards and, and two small forwards. It's just, I mean, those teams just don't make sense. And that was the big drive behind our, our AI logic. Um, if you go to our 2K Sports website, uh, we actually have a full detailed description of uh, all the AI that was done within the mode. Um, the other thing I'd like to call it is the new draft we have in the game this year. Uh, previously, it was just a, a little spreadsheet menu and players were just kind of populated. Uh, this year, we recreated Madison Square Garden, David Stearns again at the podium. Uh, and we have draft day trades where when you're going through the draft, if you're the guy you want, is, you know, you think he's going to go away, you can initiate a trade, trade up or trade down, or teams are going to offer you trades. It's just a lot more lively environment rather than just, you know, staring at menu art. You're, you're really in the environment kind of seeing things. Well, speaking of draft, there's a couple questions related to the NBA draft com- combine, um, and the first being that it was a separate add-on to the full game last year, but the decision was made this year not to do so and to wrap it into the full game. By having draft combine as part of the core game, what improvements should players expect in this year's version over last year's, i.e. clone glitch? 
adding the draft combine to the full version of my player just enhances uh, the value that you get from my player mode itself. Uh, and it also enabled us to develop the product as one piece rather than splitting it up between two things, which is, you know, creates problems such as the clone glitch like we saw last year, which, you know, won't be an issue this year because it's all within one game. Um, just development benefits, it's a lot easier to uh, realize your vision when you're working on just one product rather than trying to split your resources between two. So with so many major game modes in this year's game, how did you avoid neglecting any one game mode, or didn't you? Will fans of the franchise see major improvements in the association, for example, or did a lot of 2K development time go into integrating draft combine and making sure the MJ modes were on point? No, you know, this is Rob. To, to be honest with you, you know, this is a question that I think I've always wanted to answer from the standpoint of um, – you know, I see a lot of forum posts where people are like, oh, you know, why are they focusing on this? They're not going to be doing this. The truth of the matter is, you know, for everything that we choose to do, we're going to do it the best that we can, and we're going to apply the exact amount of resource necessary to do it. In order to, in order to achieve what we did this year, right, we just needed more people, more bodies, more focus, more design. And, and that's what we did because we wanted to really deliver the best possible game, you know, that anybody's actually ever seen in terms of basketball. So, no, you know what? Um, I mean, Eric is a huge fanatic of association mode, so adding Jordan modes in the game should not have been taken away from what uh, from what he was doing with association, and it didn't. You know, everything in itself is as polished as we could make it in this particular year. And, and you know, and to be honest with you, I've been at 2K for 10 years now, I want to say. And, you know, to ship a game as polished in every aspect as this year has been, it's probably a first, to be honest. You know, you, you guys, you, you know, everybody around here has been around enough to kind of know, you know, that we've done great things. And then, you know, and then in some places you've always been able to say, hey, you know what, I wish they had done it this way. I don't think that I'm going to be getting that much, you know, feedback in that regards this year. So here's, some, here's a bunch of a gaggle of questions for you, Rob. Um, I really want to know, this is about the AI, I really want to know about the AI, specifically how the AI adapts to the players on the floor. Will the game know to double team a team's best defensive option? If I'm using Boston, Ray Allen is on fire. Will the AI try to take him away as an option? Uh, yes, actually, that was one of the you know main things that we focused on this year was um, <clears throat> you know it, the, the whole doubling and, and making those choices. I think part of that logic was already in last year, and then you know we were pointed out some of the flaws in it, and we definitely spent a decent amount of time in, in trying to make sure that the AI was really smart about taking an option and and trying to, you know, getting the ball out of their hands and then making sure that they don't get it back in their hands after it's gone. So in the modern NBA, most trades are about salary and contract length. Has the trading AI in franchise mode been altered to recognize that, or is it still based primarily on player ability? I think this goes back to what I was talking about with an association mode. Um, yeah, I mean, trade logic significantly improved this year. Teams are looking to only acquire players that make sense for their team rather than just looking for value trades. And I think that goes back to how I was saying that the AI, the AI, last year the AI would make any trade that worked value-wise, regardless of whether they needed a point guard or whether they were losing a position, a player of need. Um, this year they're just looking to only strengthen their team. So in one regard, it's going to be harder to make trades this year because teams are a lot smarter of what they need and what they can afford to lose. 
So you really have to think about their needs as well when you make a trade. So I think that makes it, you know, a lot more realistic. Uh, cool. So this will be going back to Rob, NBA 2K11 addresses several defensive AI issues from the past installments. Many players have felt that past installments were more offensive-focused, and these new additions seem to attempt to balance out the flow of the game. How will this impact the way returning players approach the game? Um, <clears throat> you know, returning players are just going to have to be a little bit more cautious in terms of things that we're doing. Uh, you know, we... You know, obviously the league themselves go out of their way to make the game offensive, even though that just means watching a lot of guys shoot a lot of free throws from game to game. But, you know, in NBA, you know, we we really wanted a balanced game. Obviously, you know, you, you get a guy like Kobe or you get a guy like LeBron, those guys are unstoppable one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's a video game or whether it's real life. And people need to understand that the object, you know, the, the only way you stop players like that is by having good help defense because there's no single guy out there that's going to shut those guys down. Um, I mean, you know, unless we're talking about our test, you know, being able to, like, kind of manhandle one player versus another. You know, there, there, there's obviously exceptions to the rule. So what we did this year, though, is really focus on making the mechanics of moving uh, and playing defense, having the correct defensive rotations, having double teams happen at the right time for the right reason, you know, showing help even if they're not really going to come, so just as to be a deterrent. You know, all of those aspects that really make defense an important part of the game, you know, were really, really dialed up. I mean, obviously there's fun aspects, right? You know, um, steals are a fun aspect, and yet, you know, uh, you know, you got to kind of have to balance those because, you know, you know that people can't really steal the ball off of great dribblers all the time. Uh, but making passes, just throwing the ball blindly into the paint, which was one thing that I remember last year people did all the time, you know, that's not a strategy. That's not a viable strategy this year. So it's it's taking all, you know, all of the things that we've seen um, as flaws and, you know, and then taking all the things that we know that we hadn't achieved in terms of, Defense, you know, sound defensive AI, build it, put, taking the two things together, giving you guys better controls, and just making it a more fun experience on both sides of the ball. So in one specific instance, with NBA 2K, 2K10, it was a bit easy to get into the paint. Was the difficulty of this up a bit? Yeah, you know, um, the awareness of guys uh, in the paint is is uh, much stronger just in terms of, you know, get, you know getting the ball out. Uh, or, or, or deflecting passes, uh, players will no longer just let you waltz through the paint. You know, if you're an off-ball guy, just walking through the key is a chore now because, you know, they actually try to, like, impede your progress and ride you out. Um, you know, and, and in those moments, when, let's say, for example, you're getting bumped by a defender, you're, the, the guy's reaction time to actually try to catch that pass is impeded as well, and therefore you see passes sail out of bounds in that particular case. Um, trying to dribble inside is, is no longer something very easy. You know, you used to be able to just kind of like just dribble around the key like, you know, like nobody's business. Get inside now and there's enough hands and there's enough uh, contact that you'll lose the ball in that case. So you have to be a lot more careful about how you handle the ball once you get in the paint. It's, you know, it's really about being decisive and making your move right away because otherwise, you know, somebody's coming and so, you know, help's coming. Uh, and, and the defense is way tighter than it was. 
So I know Eric and Wax Poetic on classic rosters. I'm going to throw a bunch of those questions. Eric, are there other legacy players in addition to Jordan, and how are they implemented? Sure. So we felt to, uh, you know, deliver the Jordan challenge mode that, you know, stick, simply sticking Michael Jordan out there with a bunch of fake guys isn't, isn't going to deliver what we want to deliver and what our fans would expect. You know, in order to create that mode and to create the real experiences, we had to go out and sign, you know, all the guys from these teams. So when you're playing against the Jazz, you're going to be playing against Carl Malone and, and John Stockton and, and Jeff Hornacek. And against the Knicks, you're going to see Starks out there and Ewing and, and you know, Nick against the Hawks. I mean, what, what fun would it be to go out there and play, you know, a New York Knicks team with, you know, Bob Tom and Bob Tom too. It's like, it's, it's not authentic. And, and everything we did in this mode is all about authenticity. You're going to see, you know, signature shots for these guys. You're going to see signature tendencies. You're going to see Malone and Stockton run the pick and roll on you all day long. And you're, you're going to be playing in the Delta Center, like a fully recreated environment. It's, it's all about authenticity. And, you know, the, the classic players was one of the core components to that whole design. So to get even more granular with your response, are most of the players on the included classic NBA Jordan Challenge teams, like the 85 Celts or the 91 Pistons, on the teams merely generic stand-ins for the real thing with a few licensed big names sprinkled in, or are they completely licensed classic rosters? Uh, you know, this is Rob. So for those teams, and I think I've explained this before, the, most, the important thing, obviously, was to set up the stars, set up the, the matchups the same exact way that you expected on the play. Uh, so to that, to that extent, we went out and we ensured that on the classic teams, the starting five was exactly as pop, you know, exactly there. And then after we populated the starting five for each one, then we went after any residual bench players that were, um, you know, that we thought were viable, you know, and, and tried to get their, their, um, their license as well, you know. And the thing about it is, we we guarantee that the starting fives for all those teams are there, and then the, those those reserves, you know, there, it was mostly a matter of time in terms of how much time we had to get, you know, them licensed in the game. So Eric, here's the what they the center describes as the extremely superficial question of the day. Sure. Well, Will the classic licensed Larry Bird player model finally be spared the indignity of wearing the super giant baggy shorts of the current era, or will he and other stars of the 80s and 90s be wearing the appropriate shorts? So, uh, you know, when we first started, you know, talking about the Jordan Challenge and how we were going to have, you know, just basically players from another era, we all kind of, you know, looked at each other and chuckled, and we're like, ha-ha, the short shorts era. Uh, and, and I'm proud to say that we definitely did include the short shorts era into the game this year to kind of give it that extra feel of authenticity. Um, I mean, like, I know I keep saying the word, but, like, we really went, you know, to every every way we could to cre make this look and feel completely authentic, and, and short shorts was just one of those things. So how many classic teams are in the game, and are they playable in other modes as well? You know, I don't have the, the total number off the top of my head, but I think there's anywhere from, you know, 10 to 15 teams in the game. Um, actually, there's probably more than that, because we have all of the Michael Jordan Bulls teams. There's a good six or seven of those. Uh, so, yeah, you can play them anywhere you want in the game. You can play them in quickie, and you can take them in any of the game modes. They're completely there and for you to use anytime you want. So you might have addressed this earlier, but will we have the option to draft players from the historic teams used in the Jordan Challenge into a fantasy association draft? Absolutely. You can take any classic team you want and import them into the association mode. And if you want to start that association mode off with a fantasy draft, you're totally free to do so. So we have a number of questions regarding the controls. 
um, and these, this is good for you, Rob. I would love to hear a more in-depth analysis of the isomotion dribbling controls. So the new dribbling controls, or any the new dribbling controls, is a is kind of a quotes thing. You know, we are, you know, we've researched over time. We've researched what we thought was the right thing to do in terms of controls, um, and kind of tried to figure out, you know, wh you know, where could we move uh, the the, um, the moves to, and one of the reasons we kind of stuck with. Um, the left stick as a moniker is that even though, you know, even though moves are, um, you know, even though you want to execute moves with particular gestures, you know, they're, they're very closely married to where you're going. And so the, uh, the, the old idea that we had of left trigger, um, plus the left stick in order to initiate the moves made a lot of sense. What didn't make a lot of sense was the reliability of the moves last year, the the um, the you know unresponsiveness, the the, the hitches graphically, um, and also the fact that the moves weren't necessarily intuitive. That didn't make you know a lot of the things that excuse me a lot of things that bothered me and and Mike when we were sitting down was just the fact that just the way you perform certain things is counterintuitive to what you were actually seeing on the on the screen. So one of the things that we did this year was start off, you know, and we kind of said, hey, these are the things that we want to try to achieve. Can we achieve them uh, on the left stick? And can we make them really feel that they're executing what you expect them to? And so, you know, it, it really came down to, yeah, we could do it, and, and, and we executed on that. So, you know, a perfect example of what I'm talking about is this. So if I'm running a court and I want to throw a crossover, you know, obviously it's just throwing a stick across my body at a 45-degree angle. It's always been that way in, in, in 2K. Um, if I want to throw a double cross, you know, it's throw it and throw it back. And so, you know, a lot of people will say, well, how's that any different than last year? Well, it's different in the fact that, you know, this year it's about timing because you can choose to do any move that you want to with the same gestures, you know, but I can throw two single crosses by just going cross, weight, cross, back. I can do a double cross by going cross, cross in a rhythmic motion. And I can go in and in and out by just saying cross and cross back before the ball ever, you know, before the ball ever leaves my hand. So three moves, three different moves, same exact motion, but it's intuitive based on the timing of what I want. Um, one of the things that we wanted to do away with was having the dual the dual triggers, you know, because they, they kind of added a level of complexity of things that, uh, you know, to, to, to something that's supposed to be very simple. So, you know, you can perform every move that was in last year's game and, you know, just by holding the left trigger pretty much. And, you know, the additional, the additional thing was size-ups, which are now uh, controllable. And, and interruptible at any point in time. So anytime you have the ball, you can launch out of the size up uh, any way that you want to, forward, backwards, left, right. Um, you know, so it, it was it was a matter of really taking what was there, you know, re-engineering it so that you know it was more responsive, um, definitely smoother in terms of, of, of visual. 
and then just adding, you know, and, and then just adding this idea that the motion that you do with the stick needs to be intuitive to the move that you're trying to achieve, you know, you're actually trying to achieve. You know, and other tweaks to that, obviously, were things like signature gathers and, you know, like little nuances that we, we, add, we added in and that I think people will start realizing uh, give us a lot of flexibility in terms of the type of content and, um, and highlights that you can create thanks to, thanks to all that. Cool. And that's also a great message to participants that if you ask for in-depth analysis of a feature, you will get it. Um, can you explain the new shop branching mechanic in the press release? And somebody actually reads our press releases. Woohoo! It says, um, allows you to adjust your shots on the fly in mid-air just like MJ. But can every player pull this off? Every player isn't MJ. All right. Well, you know, uh, the funny part is I didn't get to a press release, but you know, but I'll step back from that and say, you know, we've always had the ability to jump in the air and, um, you know, and actually adjust your shot anyway. But one of the things about the new shot branching mechanic this year is is that um, is that you can initiate a a a move and then you can actually alter it even before you take off, you know, in, in the air. So there, there, there's two levels of it, right? It's like, you know, I'm jumping in the air. Oh, wait a minute. I see somebody coming in. I tap the, the, the right stick again in, you know, in the direction that I want to perform the shot, and you'll actually change that. But the cooler part to me is the fact that, you know, I can decide to change where I, I put that shot up any time that I'm gathering up for the shot as well. So, you know, I can start a shot thinking that I'm going to the left side of the rim, and let's say somebody steps in, um, you know, as I'm moving that way, and I suddenly see a gaping hole on the right side, I tap the stick to the right, and he'll finish that. He'll jump so that he finishes to the right side of the rim instead. So there's, there's, there's two parts. There's the in-air mechanic, and there's the on-the-floor to an air mechanic, and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're really exciting to me that way. So do you guys ever feel that you may alienate the casual gamer with more complexities to the control scheme that have been added? Or do you feel that the casual gamer can still pick up and play the game effectively without getting too deep into the controls? Well, you know, I've always said that at, at the heart of any great game is the ability to say that a guy – you know, and I, and I can't speak for every single casual gamer out there, but if you can understand what basketball is about, right, if you can come up, dribble, dribble, you don't even have to do moves. If you can come up, move the ball around correctly, find the right guy who's open, you know, so you are, if you're able to just pass and shoot, you know, at the heart of it, and be smart about the decisions and the players that you decide to make those shot, take those shots with and the, the correct shots in terms of being open or not, that that same player should be able to compete with somebody who has, um, you know, incredible stick skills and doesn't understand the sport of basketball, right? And then when you take, when you take that great gamer that can do both, then that person should definitely dominate. But at the heart of it, I want a guy that really understands the sport you know, to be able to compete even without the, the uh, stake abilities. So passing is always difficult to replicate in basketball games. What improvements have been made to the passing game? Uh, you know, I wish I had, uh, you know, I wish I had the other producer that spent pretty much all year working on all the nuances of passing. Um, you know, we reworked how we figure out which lanes are open, um, 
how to feed the ball into the post. We now have, um, you know, we now have in-air uh, passes where, like, you know, you can get to wrap the wrap the, the, uh, the, you know, the ball around the defender. Um, you know, alley oops have been changed. There, there are so many changes to, to, to passing that you know they're kind of hard to list. I think the biggest one that everybody wants to know about is um, how do we differentiate players in terms of the ability from a Jason Kidd, who you know who's a pinpoint passer, can see the holes, puts the ball in the hands every time, from let's say an Andrew Bynum who maybe is not as great a passer. Um, and the thing, I, the way we've achieved that this year is by, you know, having those guys throw passes that are not easily catchable. And therefore, you know, you see guys bobble them, you see guys just flat out whiff them. Um, and it's not on the, you know, most of the time it's not on the catcher, it's more on the guy that was actually passing it to him. You know, the situation wasn't correct, the guy was covered, or, you know, or just, you know, you could see him. And so, you know, you, you tried to throw the ball to a guy, but he was behind you. You know, you're, you're going to get bad results. Um, especially when you're doing it with players that shouldn't be making those types of passes. So um, there was a lot of care in trying to make sure that guys like Nash felt and 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 uh, you know felt more like Nash in terms of you know their ability to like squeeze the ball in, in tight places. And then the secondary part was you know was adding uh, more things like you know I want I'm passing to run up court and I don't want the guy to just pass stop and then start running again. Uh, I didn't want the guys, you know, we didn't want the guys catching and stopping when they're on a fast break. Um, you know, just a lot of a, a lot of the little nuances about passing that that maybe in the past weren't uh, weren't hammered or nailed as well as we would have wanted to. So the dunk contest mode is something that seems like it should be a no-brainer when it comes to having a great deal of fun, but the controls used to perform the dunks themselves may come of a bit may come off a bit too complicated for some. What has Visual Concepts done to simplify the dunk contest control scheme or give better instructions? I'll take that one, Chase. Okay. Uh, so the best way to answer this is, uh, so we, we fully support the Sony Move this year, you know, an entirely new piece of hardware for the PS3. And uh, the first kind of thing we did to kind of learn the hardware to see how it applies to our game is to, you know, include the PlayStation Move in the dunk contest. And uh, it, it what eventually started out as kind of like a trial learning experience for the hardware it turned out to be, you know, what I think is a dramatic improvement to the dunk contest itself. Uh, you know, to execute dunks, you simply grab the PlayStation Move control in your hand and, you know, do the circular motions or the line motions that you need to do to pull off that you previously were, you know, using with the right stick. And it's just a very natural way to kind of execute the dunks that you want. And, you know, those things kind of a tech demo for us internally, but everyone had so much fun doing it. And the ease of use was, was incredible because it's just, you know, taking the right stick and moving it wherever you need, or the Move controller, I'm sorry. And uh, as we kind of were doing this, we started finding holes in, you know, the, the stick mechanic that we actually, you know, found, fixed, and ported over to the 360, uh, such that it's a lot easier to get the dunk that you're looking for. You know, we found last year you would, you know, do a half-circle motion, and it would kind of recognize it as a quarter-circle, or it just wasn't very forgiving. So I guess the whole point I'm making is our inclusion of the PlayStation Move really opened us, opened this up for us that, you know, we have this move support, and it showed us that we can improve the controls of a 360 controller as well. So what sort of improvements, going back to Rob, what sort of improvements have been made to the defensive play to make this not such an offensive-minded game like others in the past? No, I think I kind of alluded to that earlier. You know, actually, I, I, I thought that I explained it pretty well. But, yeah, actually. Uh, but, you know, but, to, you know, 
in essence, there were three things that we did. We did some, uh, we added better cutoff controls on the right stick, um, better, um, better movement in general, more responsive, more, excuse me, more in tune with, with what you're doing with the left stick than, than last year. Um, blocking got a complete new overhaul. I mean, you know, so that, you know, one of the things that we always felt is like, you know, partially because, you know, like you guys were saying before, partially because of like two-player animation and things, you know, like that. Um, but that you really never felt like that if a guy went inside, you know, and he was going in there, and unless he was meeting Yao because Yao's seven, eight, or whatever, right? Unless he was meeting Yao, you never really felt like, oh, there's a big guy, he's going to stop me, right? This year, it's like you're sitting there, and every time you go inside, you have to worry that if there's a defensive presence there, that you're not going to get the right shot, you're not going to get the shot off. So, um, you know, in terms of controls, you know, you have, you know, a revamp blocking mechanic and scheme. You have, you know, the, the cutoff moves, you know, and, uh, and very, very precise movement. And we also, one of the things, we lost lock on D the way everybody expects it. Uh, in terms of, you know, just kind of the AI helping you out in movement. And it's more, um, it's now back to something that I think a lot of people asked us for was, you know what, I want to break down on defense and I want to stay face to my man. So here's a question for you, Eric. Uh, will the Wii version feature online play? Uh, yes, the Wii version features uh, online play for every mode that we have. We have my player pickup games, you know, ranked match. We have team-up games. Everything we offer is fully, you know, online compatible for the Wii. And I think you mentioned this earlier, but will the store teams be able to be used online? Uh, store teams are not able to use online. Our idea for that was, you know, when you're playing these ranked games, people are just going to constantly be playing as, you know, the Bulls. And we want people to play with the NBA teams, you know, the Lakers and the Celtics and the Bucks and the Bobcats and we really wanted people to focus on on those teams. Uh, here's a question about Move, and I don't know if you addressed all of its functionality already, but how will the NBA 2K11 plan to utilize the new PlayStation Move controller as previously announced? So it's not just limited to the dunk contest. That's just, you know, our starting point for it. Uh, the Move is supported, you know, everywhere in the game. Uh, you can play the entire game using, you know, the Move controller and a six-axis along paired with it. Uh, and, and just everything was kind of redone. You know, we kind of had the, a starter from the Wii last year with motion controls. We kind of learned what worked and what didn't work, and we kind of expanded it from there. Um, the, the idea behind the move that we took with it was a very casual approach. You know, if you're going to be moving, if you want to do a layup, you can just extend your arm out, you know, to the right. Or it's just very simple movements rather than complex, you know, motions. It's very much a casual experience getting people involved and having a good time with the game. Okay, so let's go. We have a sort of a – oh, shoot, we're, we're running out of time here. Actually, um, I actually have a whole bunch of miscellaneous questions people submitted, so I'm just going to bolt through these. Um, do you ever feel there will be a time when NBA or any of the other 2K sports franchises will have up-to-date player rosters during the current play season, as in a player is injured in real life, therefore he isn't available on the roster in-game during that time? Oh, that's actually the feature that we have. Uh, so we have the living rosters feature, which is constantly being updated by the uh, 2K Insider. Uh, so every time a player is hurt, you know, every every time we look at a roster update, we're constantly, you know, updating players' ratings or downgrading them based on how they're performing in, during the real NBA season. And the same goes for injuries. You know, if a player gets hurt, we're going to move him to, you know, to the injured part of the team list. Or if he's healthy, we're going to put him back on the roster. So what you see when you play our game online is a completely accurate representation of what the current state of the NBA is. So... Uh, just how much depth will the dynamic crowd have? 
when we see any tacky marriage proposals, how about a drunken Jack Nicholson? Eric? So the, we do have a feature called dynamic attendance in the game this year, and this, this aims to emulate how, you know, how crowds react in any, any given city. An example of this is, you know, fans arriving late to Lakers games or previously Miami Heat games. And as far as, like, maximum capacities, too, in previous 2Ks, every single game was a sellout, you know, right from the start. With the dynamic attendance feature, you're going to notice that some stadiums, such as the Bobcats, you know, isn't going to be a sellout. It's going to be at 70% attendance. And the games start out very, very low capacity. Like, for example, that game might start out at 40% capacity. And as you play through the first quarter, you're going to notice the fans arriving late to the game. And uh, at the same time, you're going to notice those fans leaving early if the game's a blowout. So it's all about our atmosphere this year, making the game and the arenas feel more authentic, and that, that involves people coming early and late to the game. So the the big question on everybody's mind, um, what are the heat rated this year, Rob? <laughs> uh, you know, that's actually a, kind of a tough question. I think they're um, ostensibly they're rated number one, but they're rated number two overall in the game. I mean, you know, they, you, you know you, you, the chance is still there. So what are some of the uh, lofty goals 2K has in regards to NBA 2K11, like some of the high-concept game designs that we may look forward to in future, re future releases? So, you know, our lofty goals, obviously, you know, was to deliver probably the, the, the best-playing, most polished game that we have ever delivered here, you know, with the best features, um, you know. And that's usually the goal every year. In terms of uh, high-concept game designs, you know, I mean, sharing them now, is, I think, is a little premature, given that, you know, we we really don't know, um, you know, how our current game is going to be received. We don't know how our competitors are going to be received. And so, you know, we, we're thinking about a, a, a bunch of brand-new stuff and, you know, actually started working on stuff already, you know, but it, it's kind of be early to kind of come in and say, hey, you know what, this is what we're thinking we're going to be doing. Hey, here's a question for you, Eric. When will a full All-Star Weekend be implemented in a 2K basketball game? No, so we're always we're always looking at you know things we can do for future iterations of the game and what we think makes the most sense for our our, our vision for the current year. And uh, that's something that's been on the table, you know, obviously for a long time. It's something that happens in real life, but it's something that's on our docket. Uh, it's just a matter of, of when we feel is the right time to deliver. So, um, and lastly, hey, Rob, this question is for you. Uh, do NBA players ever contact you to talk about their skill ratings between being too low or another player's being too high? Uh, you know what? I don't, I, don't think any, I don't think players really care to sit there and tell me that the guy next to them is better than them or, 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 or something like that. They do care about themselves. And so, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, most, most of our contact with the guys – you know, in general, they say that we're 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 pretty dead on. But uh, you know, like last week at the launch party, I was there, and I you know I asked I asked pretty much every guy that was there, hey, you know what, are we doing you right to the game? Are you are you well represented? And you know, I didn't get anybody coming back and saying, no, you know, I suck, and you guys should have made me better than, than I than I currently am. So, um, you know, I, I mean, obviously, they could have been being polite, you know, but you know, I think that those guys are pretty pretty outspoken when it comes to the things that they feel about, you know, how people are representing them. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that basically runs us to the end.